Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Treehouse, episode 35. Sockdology with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Very good morning to everybody. Here we go again. Another three hours of fun for old and young without the slightest hint of vulgarity. It has been pointed out, Peps, um, mm-hmm. that uh, uh, unconsciously we seem to have slipped from two hours of fun for old and young to three hours of fun for old and young. <laughs> I thought it was the illusion you were trying to put out there. That we were... <laughs> I don't know when that happened, but we went from uh, an E120 to an E180 all of a sudden. Uh, but a very good morning to everybody. If you've not heard this before, nothing I can say will help you. Uh, <laughs> but what we like to do, uh, that's Louise Pepper on the other side of uh, the country, but um, <laughs> this is the conditions we find ourselves in. Uh, we will start the show in stand-up. But there mm-hmm. is so much to, to, to do today. Starting with uh, the name of the show again, Peps, is... Sockdology. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll give you 25 guesses. It's not a <laughs> word that uh, uh, you're going to come across. If you look on Wikipedia, uh, and believe me, I do, in the hours before we start this show, uh, Sockdology had five different entries. About, oh, I thought you'd read it up. None of which clear up what Sockdology is. But here comes the... Because none of this is meaningless. Or, let's put that another way, <laughs> all of this is meaningless. Today in history, uh, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, uh, President Lincoln was assassinated at the Ford oh, Theatre. Okay. Ford Theatre. It was in John Wilkes Booth, uh, uh, fired at him from behind during a performance of Our American Cousin. Now, John Wilkes Booth, I've said many, many times, people don't appreciate. Uh, yes, he was a, a crank and a lone crank, uh, mm-hmm. but not so, having uh, said that, because he was the most, one of the most famous actors in America. The only thing you can put him with today is someone like Hugh Grant. He was as famous as that. Wow. In newspapers, he'd been described as the handsomest man in America, a natural genius, and he knew the theatre inside out, even though he was part of a... He, he was part of... Uh, 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 he tried to be a politician for a while before he became a very famous actor in America. Uh, and his party, which was a big party at the time, was called the Know Nothing Party. Oh, I'd vote nothing for the Know Nothing Party. <laughs> it's because they were quite secretive, and if you weren't sure if someone was a member of it, you'd say, they say, what is what, what, what is this uh, party you belong to? And he says, and you had to say, like Manuel, I know nothing about the party. <laughs> all of this, I was trying to look for sockdology, and all of this ties up, I've kind of promised you. Uh, so that's the Know Nothing Party he was part of. He was one mm. of the most famous uh, people in America, uh, uh, John Wilkes Booth. And here's the thing. He knew the play inside out, and he, he knew exactly where uh, the way around the back of the theatre, which is why he could uh, find out where Lincoln would be sitting. 
and he knew the play, which was a comedy, Our American Cousin, had one enormous guaranteed laugh in it, where it would muffle or certainly mask the oh. sound of the gun gunshots. And that laugh was about uh, uh, half the way through when somebody turns to uh, a woman in it, husband turns to his wife and says, well, I guess I know enough to turn you inside out, old gal. You sockdologizing old man trap. No. And that always got an enormous laugh, and that's when he fired. That was when he knew he could fire the gun on the word sockdologizing. Now that is why we're called the show today, Sockdology. And he did, and he fired, and uh, Lincoln hung on for another day, as we all know. That uh, he uh, jumped off the stage and said, uh, "Thus uh, to all tyrants, sem sick semper tyrannis." Uh, he also stabbed, uh, but not fatally, thank God, the theatre's orchestra leader, who was oh, behind... Oh, well, that seems behind, a bit over the top. He was in a corridor behind the stage having a fag, and he stabbed him, and I did. I knew that, but when I was looking up this morning, do you know what that orchestra leader's name was? Bill Withers. Oh, come <laughs> off it. <laughs> His name was William Withers. He stabbed Bill Withers on the way <laughs> Now, all oh, of it, laugh, obviously. Comedy is tragedy plus time. He stabbed Bill Withers on the way out. You're a friend of mine. I absolutely went by, and that's why the Latin for um, ain't no sunshine is sick semper tyrannis. Um, what? What? Yeah, for that line to get a big laugh, mm -hmm. that would presume that the whole audience knew what sockdologizing meant. Sockdology, and, and thus sockdologizing. Believe me, it's a rabbit hole I tried down this morning. Yes, it's archaic. You know, it's archaic. But it's obviously something that they all knew. For them. <laughs> well, the words oh, change oh, their oh. meanings, like archaic well, yeah. does. You know, yeah. the, the teacher was in the class, and she said to young Johnny, uh, seven, Johnny, uh, can you put the word archaic into a sentence? And he said, yes, miss. We can't have archaic and eat it. Now, that is already enough entertainment for people. Already, I suggest that is enough <laughs> entertainment. Uh, what are we doing today, uh, Peps? What are we actually up to? Our topics are, your neighbours apparently only had one record. Mm. Number two, how dolls and toys have met tragic ends. Mm -hmm. Number three, badly organised parties and events. And number four, the world's most house-proud person. Fantastic. I know we've got some tremendous... Uh, mm. give, for, give us a for instance, Peps. What do you got over there? Well, we've got... This is a uh, Neighbours Only Having One Record. This is from Clive in West Wickham. Just before you do it, mm. uh, and I don't like to you know, let daylight in upon magic, which is uh, real lives, uh, uh, your little one has got used to this lockdown. Do you mind me pointing oh, that out? Oh, uh, no. Well, but I, I think he thinks this is his dream life. Harold's Warby? He's four. He's, mm. He has not asked once to return to nursery or preschool. Not once. Mm. Not once. Can mm. I go? No. Um, <laughs> he wanders between uh, front room and garden. We're very fortunate to have a garden. We've had the lovely weather. Mm. And if we now say to him, let's go out for a walk or a bike ride, a bit of our daily exercise. No, I want to stay home. Yeah. We're going to have is... to prize this child out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> this is our. Um, this is the backstory to uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. And they find those people living in the Forbidden Zone. That's how we're all going to end up. Don't want to go out there. Don't to be on the surface of the earth. Well, I think that's a strong place in that. Uh, uh, but what's your very first? You, I, I promise we're going to start all of these. See these emails here? Going to get right to them. What is your very first memory? Because you just triggered mine, as they used to say. Now, what is your very first memory? This is the thing because I had a very strong memory of mm. sitting in front of our oven eating a banana sandwich Ooh. and looking to the right and there's a garden and looking to the left and my mum is in the doorway. But it didn't make sense to me because although it was our oven, it wasn't in our kitchen. Mm. 
until I said to my parents, what was the kitchen like at uh, our old road, <laughs> which we left when I, before I was two. We moved out when I was about wow. 18 months old. And mum said, oh, it was a long galley kitchen. We had the same oven. And, the gu- and I, it is that kitchen at our old wow. house. So it's, and it's, it's almost impossibly young. 18 months but it or something? Is. Well, I, I can remember being christened. Oh, that. No. I, but a caveat, I wasn't christened until I was nearly two. Okay, uh, but similar remember, age then. I, I was sitting in the back, there was only one car in an entire extended family that Aunt Pat and Uncle Joe had, and I remember sitting, and I must obviously be wearing shorts, because I remember the material on his back seat irritated the backs of my thighs as we went along. Uh, and I remember getting out of the car and going into the church to be wow. christened. No, no, that, that's a nearly a two, and I suggest... Those are the earliest memories any of our listeners have. Unless you want to get in touch, treehouse <laughs> at somethingelse.com. Emails only, please. What I've always found weird, though, so yours was a christening. That's an, that's an event. Mm. Why, out of the billions and billions of memories that your brain is constantly processing, yeah. does one day eating a banana sandwich stick well, in my head? Why you know that what? one? Do you know what? In some cultures, the banana sandwich is right up there with, with, with the birthrights. Absolutely, yeah. Because you'd have said, man alive, this ain't your cow and gate pad. This is real <laughs> yes. food. This moved on is a sandwich. Time. Oh, I wish, Yay. you know. I can remember some tremendous sandwiches I've had. Uh, and, and one of these weeks, when we're slow, I don't know when that's going to happen, we'll go back through Paps and Mines. And in fact, oh, yeah. the second email subject of the day. The greatest sandwich you ever ate in your life. The great. I, I, I make a sandwich. I, I know the show will start. See, it's on every morning for breakfast for three hours, and you hear some of these shows scraping away at the bottom, beneath the bottom, beneath the bottom of the barrel, trying to do content every morning. Uh, so, uh, but uh, the what was I talking about? Oh, yes, great sandwiches. I was on a show with them. Um, uh, the dear Gary Rhodes, who uh, oh, you know, knew yes. quite well, poor old Gary, anyway, uh, years ago, and he was cooking one of his, this film of it somewhere, and he was cooking one of his creations, it's all good, and I said in rehearsal, I'll only cook one thing, I said, because I, I can look after myself, I'm not one of those people who says, oh, I can't cook anything, shame on you if you can't cook anything, mm. uh, I said, but my only speciality is um, a tomato omelette sandwich. Now, I don't like tomatoes, which is the odd thing. And he said, and he laughed, smoked. Oh, I said, no, I said, it's brilliant. And so we said, I said, I'll make that alongside you doing this Parisian <laughs> magnificent thing. And what it is, I've mentioned it before, of course, uh, uh, two eggs, or make a, just scramble them up, a bit of milk, a little bit of pepper, if you like, cut a tomato as messily as you can into little bits and put it all in there and, and whisk it around. And mm-hmm. you get some ordinary, just regular uh, sliced, white sliced bread, heavily buttered, and then Hammond's chopped sauce, which is my brown sauce of choice, uh, and you plug it all between it, it goes very, very squishy, and that's it. And the audience were laughing and all of this, and I tasted his, he finished, and it was, you know, superb, of course. And I said, do you want to bit my sandwich? And I held up a quarter, because I always cut my sandwiches in quarters, and I held up this quarter to him, limping over like a Dali watch it was, <laughs> hanging all, it was dripping. And the audience laughed, and he laughed, and he put one hand under it, okay, and he shut his eyes and said, I'll get a blindfold and he ate it and he went oh wow and it really is delicious well I know now, what I'm making for my lunch exactly today. now all I want to do is whip this through and get out there and get at the pan but uh, mm. you were just about to say anyway Pep yes Clive that? is still on the edge of his seat going my moment my <laughs> moment don't <laughs> a few years back we had not one but two neighbours who appear to only have one record each. Mm-hmm. We were living in West Norwood at the time, where a lot of the houses are packed together in a typical South East London fashion. 
It was a hot summer and we were sleeping with the windows open. In the early hours one morning, we were woken by an incredibly loud, thunderous bass doof, 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 from some way up the road. A late 80s club classic or other, and the owner played it repeatedly for a couple of hours or so at what must have been full volume. Eventually, around 2am, it stopped and we all went back to sleep only to be woken a few hours later at 5am by a nearly as equally ear-splitting Move It by Cliff Richard and the Shadows, again on repeat. <laughs> this pattern went on what felt like forever, but was only three to four days. Midnight, 80s club tunes, followed by a few hours later, Cliff and the Boys. We heard later via the neighbourhood gossip machine that it was actually a sonic battle being waged by two neighbours oh, of very God. different generations who hated each other. The young one got in late, the older one went out early. It only stopped when the council and police were involved and warnings had been issued. Oh, of course. So, the, you know, on one side you had the uh, uh, Axis powers and on, on the other side you had the Allies and he's poor Czechoslovakia in the middle of it going, <laughs> cut me some slack. Uh, this equally, this is from Philip, the subject being, your neighbours apparently only had one record. And by the way, I first heard Led Zeppelin 2 on its release in 1969 via Jimmy Lloyd, who lived upstairs about one in the morning. This record came on <laughs> through, the, through his floor into the ceiling of me and my brother's bedroom. My brother was out, and I heard... <laughs> I thought, what is that? <laughs> what is that? The message and the next day, the next day, I said, was you in Jimmy Lloyd's last night? He said, yeah. He said, I said, you're playing records. He's got the new Led Zeppelin record. I said, I know, I heard it. <laughs> over and over and over again. But that was a pleasure and an education. Philip gets in touch and says, my wife Denise, when growing up, lived next door to a boy who seemed only to have one record. It was the Sparks album, Propaganda. Scroll on many years to when we met. On our first date, we discussed musical likes. And I said, well, I don't know if you know my favourite album. <laughs> it's Propaganda by the band Sparks. Do you know it? She froze and twitched like Herbert Lom in the Pink Panther film. <laughs> it took some persuading that I wasn't that boy next door. And that, that's from Philip. So, any of those you have, of course, all the subjects remain open. Something else, perhaps? Well, now, this is from Gideon. Gideon has a fine sense of drama as he sent mm -hmm. this email in three emails as the three acts of this story. <laughs> now, well, audience, well done. I will leave it to you to, uh, to work out whether Gideon's sense of drama has embellished this tale, but I hope it hasn't. So mm -hmm. he said, I'm going to call this, I've been waiting. <laughs> He's called it the unexpected Perhaps. consequences. <laughs> <laughs> Get on with it. I was going to put the records on upstairs. <laughs> of seemingly trivial act actions. I've been waiting for years for an excuse to shoehorn this tale into the show, but strange times and strange measures means I'm just putting it out there. The year was 1974. I was a seven-year-old child living in Africa with my school teacher parents while my two older brothers were away in the UK at boarding school. However, the summer of 74, both my siblings were with me in Zambia and unusually, my parents were house-sitting for a friend while they visited family. It was great. The house had a swimming pool, a huge garden and was based in an affluent area of the Kitwe, the town in the north of the country where we lived. My mum was sunbathing in the garden while myself and my brother explored the surroundings and in the undergrowth, we spotted a bright green chameleon. We didn't know much about lizards except that our mother had an almost pathological fear of them. Ooh. Excellent, pronounced my brother as he picked it up and walked over to my prone mum and proceeded to place the chameleon on her thigh while she dozed. Mum, 
Mum, what's that? He said. Mum woke up and before the creature had time to change its skin tone, she screamed and jumped as though shocked by 10,000 volts. And even though the culprit dislodged, continued a merry dance for around 30 seconds or so, running around the garden like a dervish. So far, so good, you say. Good story. Thank you. But this concludes Act 1 of a three-act play. Mm. Act 2, The Baboon Awakes. (laughs) Email 2. I'm hanging on this. I really am. Go on. Who knew the house next door had a baboon chained up in the garden? Not us, that's for sure. Alerted by Mum's screams and the cacophony from the garden, next door's pet baboon got so worked up it ran round and round and eventually dislodged the holder that secured its neck chain and set it free. It jumped the fence and with chain flailing behind, vaulted onto my mother's shoulders, receiving... (laughs) to pull at my now hysterical mother's hair and ears, steering her like a mahout. Picture the scene now. Two children screaming in the garden while their mother runs around with a primate riding her like a rodeo bull. Here comes act three. Enter Peter Vaduka. Email three. You know, was that your mum screaming the other day? Yeah, what was the matter? She's got a monkey on her back. <laughs> All ex-junkies look up and go, yeah, been there, man. Been there. Anyway, continue. Sometimes we have divine intervention and sometimes dumb luck. Earlier the day, in that day, our car wouldn't start. Oh, now we're on to mechanics again. Mm-hmm. We knew a good mechanic. My dad's one was also a very close friend. His name was Peter Viduka and a friend to the family as he taught me and my dad judo, but was also better at karate. Pure chance had him in the kitchen taking a break from the car with a great view of the garden and the madness. Quick as a flash, like a scene from Enter the Dragon, Peter ran into the garden and drop-kicked the baboon from my mother's head. (laughs) There then proceeded a five-minute face-off with Peter and the baboon circling each other (laughs) while my my mum ran to lock herself in the bathroom. The baboon skulked over the fence eventually. Peter was treated like a hero and mum never mentioned it again. Best day ever. Wow. And I've got to say, you took tremendous pleasure every time you said the word baboon there, didn't you? <laughs> Absolutely. The explosive bilabial was giving you plenty of pleasure. Look, baboon, yes, it was. Uh, you, you mentioned there, of course, um, uh, Peter, uh, who had a, a previous career and all of that. Mm. And one of our subjects is uh, notable career changes. And uh, as I was telling you not long before we came on the air, uh, I can... Yeah, a huge one of those. Uh, the mechanic who services my car and passes its MOT was formerly uh, in all the Star Wars films and also in uh, Time Bandits. He was an actor. He used to just gave it up one day and now runs a very, a very successful uh, uh, car repair um, um, mechanics down in down in Deptford. Uh, well, I think we're going to take a little break for an advert. We'll do that because coming up, we've got some absolute pips and dandies, including mm-hmm. the first entry into our the terrible end of toys and dolls. And that's an absolute belter coming with that. But if you want to lead us into the ad break, we're saying, here comes the ads. Peps? Here comes the ads. Good morning, everybody. It's the Danny Baker Show, radiating out across the airwaves. Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train. We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away. What better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two? Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go. 
Come and join a happy session with Tata to the recession on the Danny Baker Show. Take it away, Danny. Well, welcome back, everybody. And now, and, and I know there's been a lot of heat here on the, uh, President Lincoln's assassination day. If that doesn't sound too uh, fr- frivolous, but uh, you know, look in your local. Uh, newspapers for street parties but uh uh for those who um uh, find the story actually fascinating and it is an extraordinary story that gets especially the uh chase after john wilkes booth and harry was captured get yourself the book manhunt by james l swanson and that's what's called manhunt the 12-day search for john wilkes booth it is brilliant and of course uh, it's like the book the- for lockdown no, it is. It's a ter- mm. it's, it's, it includes, of course, the, the uh, certainly from my point of view, much uh, uh, given fact that the reason we say someone's name is Mud is because on on his he broke his ankle when he jumped out of the booth after shooting Lincoln, landed on stage and say broke his ankle, was in agony for. 36 hours until he insisted a doctor get up and fix it for him and that doctor was called Dr. Mudd, M-U-D-D and throughout history uh, because he he didn't know he just shot the president uh, your name is Mudd means you're something of a wretch but the book is Manhunt by James L. Swanson now I told you we've got this uh, we've got a huge backlog of uh, emails we're always inviting more and the terrible end of toys and dolls will be with us because I forgot the show now has a feature yeah some kind of a maybe Wisby will do us some kind of a jingle to go in here and it is the vinyl golden shot now i sit in my record room as you may or may not know surrounded by twelve thousand lps six thousand forty-five rpm singles uh, which helps to muffle the sound not quite enough because you can still hear me but uh uh and all we do i point at the shelves and we ask some one listener one lucky listener every week to take three goes of saying left right up down fire i will produce two lps and a 45 from the shelves i will add up their collected market value as of now and see where we go now last week ann uh, was in touch she got 330 pounds yeah very good shooting for for man but what ann didn't say uh, by the way here's dave he would bring dave through hey dave okay. No, Hi, Danny. Yeah, there oh, you go. Phew. Okay. Dave, last week, Anne Pugh, a dear, dear friend Anne, got 330 quid off of these shelves. But what she didn't say, and this is different between men and women, because I'd have come straight on the air. Most blokes would have come straight on the air and said, once I said, hello, Anne, would have said, oh, uh, hi, uh, by the way, my art teacher designed the cover of Led Zeppelin 3. Because he did, and she didn't even mention it until afterwards. Uh, so she got in touch with, by the way, my art teacher designed the famous cover of Led Zeppelin 3. Uh, Dave, uh, welcome aboard. Um, if you had to choose a couple of albums to get here, not by value, by your own taste, what would you be looking for? Oh, I think uh, I'd like something from David Bowie. Bowie. Everybody mm-hmm. knows David, David Bowie. But also something Motown, you know, like uh, especially in these mm-hmm. horrid times, something from maybe Curtis Mayfield that I could just well, lie back to. So everyone's just sat up and said, I think you'll find Curtis Mayfield was on the Buddha label and Kurt on, <laughs> not Motown. But nevertheless, a good choices, except Bowie is upstairs in a separate cupboard. But you yeah, might have one of his, his own vault. Oh, I've got Bowie singles here worth a very pretty penny. You may even get those. Now, uh, the way it works is, my friend, uh, and I, you can ask me to turn left or right because shelves are on both sides of me, and then you say up, down, left, right. Stay with it, everyone. This has got some tension in this game. Uh, up, down, left, right, Dave, and fire, and I will tell you which album you've got and the price of it. There is no – this is purely for entertainment value, although when the T-shirts are printed, they may be coming your way. Uh, mm. So uh, you've got 330 quid to beat here, Dave. Okay. Uh, now, do you want me to face left or right? I think we'll start with facing right. 
facing all first of those usually on the other way so here we go now the shelves are from the floor i talk about <laughs> this is this is a this is a real game made in here. lockdown desperation isn't it <laughs> it goes from the floor it goes up about eight foot so you can luxuriate the audience are all with you and saying take your time we've got nothing better to do so uh in your own time dave i'll start in the center here you can go left, right, up, down, whatever you choose, and fire whenever you're ready. Okay, Dave? Okay, yes, I think the good stuff go. will be eye, eye level. So if we, if we go up... <laughs> it's up, alphabetical. Up. This is purely alphabetical. Oh, oh, yes, that, it that's is. actually quite oh. helpful. Yeah. See, behind me, behind me, if this helps you, is A to, A to N. And over here is O to Z. But both sides are equally as full. Because plenty, plenty of groups will give me the S. Anyone who follows alphabetically knows S and B. Well, can't get a cigarette paper in there. Anyway, off you go, my friend. Okay, we'll go. We'll go left a bit. Left a bit. Okay. Left. Yeah. No, not yeah. there. A little bit yeah. further left. Yeah. Then, the then up, up a bit. Up a bit. Good. Just have to stop. You're going into our little stop. toilet in a minute. We'll go. Stop, up, stop up. there. You say up. up. Yeah, up a yeah. little. Just a little. Just a little. Stop. Yep. Stop. Stop. And then yep. over to the right. Over to the right. Hang on. Stop. My headphones lead is strangling me. <laughs> I am. Stop. Come on. And then, uh, and then we'll fire. Fire. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that was a few I didn't I got it. I got expect. It. Okay. Do you know I don't know what this record is? <gasps> oh, no. Here it is. There it is. I'm afraid it's, it's, it's depressingly modern. Oh. It is Radiohead's A Moon-Shaped Pool, which is on vinyl. It's probably about, I reckon it's probably about 20... I'll give you 30 quid on that. Uh, I didn't know I had this. <laughs> no idea I had a Radiohead. I knew I had the older one. You've got A Moon-Shaped Pool, double album. Uh, it's Radiohead. How, what, do you, what, what do you feel about Radiohead and modern I, music? I, I, I actually like Radiohead. So, although from a value point of view, it wasn't uh, very successful, I think from a taste quid. point of view, super. Well, last, last thing, as I say, uh, uh, one... Joan Collins was one of the albums that first came out, and that was only a... Judy, not Joan! Eh? What did I say? Joan Collins' album? No, yes. it, it, but that was a great thing. It was Joan Collins' the dynasty singing. hits. Very rare piece, but it still wasn't uh, Joan Collins' album. I once... How about this, Dave? I uh, once interviewed um, Joan Collins, and I, I say this from love, Joan Collins' um, uh, auntie Pauling who uh, was about 90 then, and Joan was about 60. And she, she was very indiscreet, as she said about Joan. She said, uh, things about Joan, I mean, she's always been very, very vain. She said, thin hair, we all do. Because she said, look, I've got a, a, a very thin hair. She went, and she wears a wig um, all the time. Yeah, and I said, well, this went out on the air. I said, no, she went, oh, yeah, she always wears a wig. She's been a wig since she was 17. This ain't getting us anywhere. Sorry, Dave. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking to continue with this. Well, apart from a horrid image of a bald Joan Collins. Um, well, you know, if, if, it may have just been family gossip, but there was her auntie Pauline told me that. Uh, okay, this is supposed to last two minutes, this game. It's sausage sandwich all over again. Right, I'm facing the other way. Is that all right? Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes. So now okay, if we'll, uh, we'll go down this time. We'll see if that's any more fruitful. Good. So down a little bit, down a little bit. Yep, still going. And then right, yep. then we're going to go right, and we're going to go right. Right, right, right oh, a bit oh, further right. Getting interesting, yeah. And then, and then, oh, and then up just a touch, just a touch up. Just oh, a, right, I'm just going uh, up just that, a touch, yeah. That'll do, and then we'll fire there. <laughs> oh mate, I don't, uh, I don't think this is gonna. No, oh, you've only you've got... now you've got a seven quid album at best. Joan Jett's Bad Reputation, another album oh, I, I had no Joan idea Collins. that I had. Now, uh, you're currently your haul is thirty-seven pound. I have oh, got shit. singles in front of me. Singles in front of me worth 
300 at least and they can take you into the lead but you're now onto the singles which are in front of me my friend uh, well this there is are, yeah. there are nine shelves of them and i'm pointing in the second it's very very tense <laughs> he said trying to <laughs> make up some ground. you've got to make up some ground now above us here are the beatles and bowies and everything else everything else is in here i'm very picky about the singles i know every single one of those they are all my children uh, <laughs> so i'm right in the middle of the stack and some of these will take you onto the top of the leaderboard but which ones my friend off you go right, well, we're going to go left left uh, about there yeah left there yeah. then yeah. up 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 a little bit more mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll stop there and fire. <laughs> oh, my friend, if you'd have gone just left a little, you'd have been in it, because what you've got... Yeah, uh, oh, it's not It's not bad. It's, it's worth... Uh, it's, it's Neil Innes' How Sweet to Be an Idiot, the American version of it, which goes for about 30 quid, uh, the single. But if you'd have gone left a little bit more, we'd have been into the Bowies. Oh, oh these bonzos, you see, yeah. Bees, you see, I was trying to visualise bees. And in fact, it. some of the bonzos there, I've got acetates, so they're, they're there to take you into it. But I'm afraid your haul, such as it is, Dave, is I'm going to be generous and say you've got... You've got about... <laughs> You've got about 57 quid. Well, there you know. Uh, it, but the thrill of the game was the thing, wasn't it? That's, that, that, oh, that's <laughs> the thing. Yeah. It was got sus- really suspenseful, exciting, it was superb. How many albums you got? It was a lovely day out. It was a lovely day out. Have you enjoyed your time? You've been a terrific sport. (laughs) 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 Not doing rivalry here, but how many albums you got, my friend? Oh, well, you know, it's interesting. I've got a load of CDs, but my uh, two mm-hmm. collections lost over the years. The, the first collection was my... Uh, my dad had an amazing album collection. He had so many. Well, a lot of it would have been the old crew. And what happened to those? And what happened to those? Well, he stored a lot of them in the loft. Uh, he had hundreds yeah. up there in the loft. And our next-door neighbour... Uh, we had a new next-door neighbour move in, and he mm-hmm. decided to get the loft cleared, but didn't realise it was a joint loft. So, <gasps> yeah, all... <laughs> So the, but the, the really kind of the, the unbelievable thing was that as the van was going away with all these like incredible, you know, I went on, no. I, all the all the Beatles albums. There was a Beatles single oh. with "Get Back" and "Don't Let Me Down," and I used to play that when no. I was little. But as the van was driving, my, my dad caught the van. He caught the van and he ran up to say, "Look, you know, you, you've taken my stuff. This was this was stuff in my loft." But what did he retrieve? He didn't retrieve any of the albums. He just retrieved a bag of all my old school stuff and all my old exercise books. <laughs> That's in his favour. Meanwhile, you know, about uh, 40 grand went off and, and probably lays at the bottom of the landfill these days. <laughs> Dave, we've got to go because the show's only got about another 10 minutes. But bless you, my friend. And that thank has you. been the always exciting Vinyl Golden Shot. Uh, Bye, Dave. We, we, uh, thank you very much indeed, Dave. It was a shame because I thought, oh, he's going to pull this out. Oh, oh, there cans. <laughs> not, not my headphones, my actual red ball. Uh, but uh, uh, I thought for him... And he was... A heartbeat either way, if it had gone earlier from uh, some substantial stuff. But that's the way it's played, and we'll have another edition next time. Give us something over there, Peps. There's a quick one from Gary from the other week. We asked, born in neither hospital nor home. Mm-hmm. And Gary, my dad was born on a butcher's block in inner city Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact he grew up 500 yards from the maternity hospital, my nana was in the local butcher's, Quinn's, on North North King Street when she went into labour. Dad always says he was born right there on the butcher's block. And we still got our weekend meets from Mr... Well, you'd have to, couldn't, wouldn't you? You couldn't couldn't take your, your... 
Born uh, on a butcher's block, isn't that a lovely name for an autobiography? I might originate that. Uh, uh, the um, uh, when we've done this on the on, uh, I think it's <laughs> when we've done this on proper radio. <laughs> There's one in the other uh, something else, isn't it? Uh, when we've done this before, I um, uh, amount of people who are born on underground stations. Oh, really? The terrific story a woman said she went into labour, she was going down on the escalator. And thought, oh, no. And she ended up coming what station it was. And then a, we had about four or five women call up and say, Yeah, I was born on Underground Station or I gave birth on Underground Station. Yeah, so that my seems mom's, to be. What? Sorry, my mum's cousin Geraldine gave birth to one of hers in a car in the car park. Really? In, in the car, sorry, because it was bonfire night in there. And they they oh. live in one of those villages in, in um, Sussex where they, oh, they you know, they close yeah. the whole village for the big bonfire. And they couldn't get out the village. So, uh, yeah, they gave birth to... Guy. Not if it was Rosie or Scarlet in the, <laughs> in the, in the car. Wow. Well, you know, all these subjects remain open, as I say. Uh, now, this is something I've been trailing a little bit. Um, the terrible end of toys and dolls. Oh, lovely. A, a beloved toy or doll, or perhaps not so beloved. Uh, we, quite, it was quite common to um, uh, certainly put uh, soldiers and stuff, how to put, uh, peg them on the washing line, then we'd all get an air gun and try and knock them off. That sort of thing. Mm. But more spectacular, the better. And this certainly is. This is from Neil. Uh, he said, we had to, when I was about 12, we had to write to perform a puppet show in English at school. My friend had a hard plastic money box in the form of Zippy from Rainbow. You lifted his head, his gaping mouth opened, you put a coin on his tongue and Zippy swallowed the coin as his head slowly closed. This sounds like we were a fortune now. The premise of our sketch was that Bungle had gone rogue after a telling off from Geoffrey, who had sent and he'd gone to sulk in a cupboard under the stairs where he happened to find a miniature nuclear missile. <laughs> he had decided to launch it, thinking that'll show them, when Zippy appeared and Bungle claimed it wasn't a nuclear missile, it was just a cigarette. Oh, good. Well, I'll do his voice. Oh, God, said Bungie. I like smoking. <laughs> oh, no, it's come to this. Uh, oh, good, said Zippy. I like smoking. And he snatched it from Bungle and it got his lighter out and lit it. It was at this point in the performance, if one dare honour it with such a title, that we produced one of the bangers that we managed to smuggle back from France on a French exchange trip. And we put the banger on Zippy's tongue and lit the end. Of course, acting like it was a coin, the banger started to slowly disappear into Zippy's <laughs> mouth and he tried to swallow it. There was a hushed pause. Then, with an explosion that got the teacher from the next room rushing in, Zippy's head blew off and hit the ceiling. Everybody laughed a lot at his tragic destruction. It was so brilliant that the teacher wasn't angry. He liked our script and we were asked to perform it again. So we had to retrieve Zippy's head and tape it back on to perform it to the class next door who had been disturbed by the first performance. Was it a tragedy? Was it a comedy? Ladies and gentlemen, you be the judge from Neil. Isn't that something? He sacrificed his Zippy uh, money box for art. Now that's the sort of thing we're looking for. Something from you, Peps. This is from uh, Graham from a few weeks ago. This was pop stars in your front room. Mm -hmm. During the mid-90s, I was renting a house in Dunfermline and discovered it was opposite to the late Stuart Adamson of big country fame. One afternoon, I arrived home and found Stuart and another member of the band, Bruce Watson, outside his house. Wow. I asked if everything was OK and was told that whilst he'd been away from home for a few days, a new front door had been fitted and he didn't have the key. He was waiting for his wife to arrive. 
I asked if they wanted to come in until she turned up. So I had two pop stars in my front room drinking tea and talking about oh. football and front doors. Oh, isn't that lovely? Graham. That's a tremendous one. Well, uh, you know, given that um, uh, our tremendous and successful uh, uh, vinyl golden shot, which half the nation is now hanging on. And by the way, the sausage sandwich game's coming back. Yes, we're going to get It's Bernie, all the usual offers. We're even going to get David Quo on one of these. We're going to get David oh, Quo on one. Yes, we're going to hear again. Anyone who's been around a few years with these programs knows the great David Quo. We're going to try and get him on. Probably to play, him <laughs> to play the vinyl game. His taste in music is so extraordinary. He only likes, you know, David Quote only likes records where, like in Malcolm and Wise when they were sending up pop music, there are uh, usually a trio of female singers in the background going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He only likes records to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put it to him once. Oh, yes, yes. I, I, I buy anything that does that. Anyway, uh, David Quo will be returning. But this is probably the most surprising email we have received. Well, oh, okay. Bold. Possibly the most surprising email I've received for, I'd say, 25 years. <gasps> you know why? Because it's sent from James, who is 16. <laughs> <laughs> There's the demographic. Bang! Bang! He starts. Good for you, James. I know. We've got an email from hey, a 16 year old. He's at such a young age. That's brilliant. That's, you know, that's, that's totally in his favour. Most of his lot are out there, you know, dancing to Grand Funk Railroad, but he's not. He's, he's under, he understands where we are. He says, Firstly, I would like to stake a claim being your youngest emailer as I'm 16. With this in mind, I think this is place best place for me to share with what modern schools, or at very least my school, has in store vis-a-vis -vis punishments and oh, lines. Oh, yes! Because we were doing... Do people still do lines and detention, etc.? Lines and detention and all of this. And we said, I said, you know, you, know, you can't even give anyone a funny look now because, you know, um, you're not ancient, but I am, and I just presumed you can't. He says, a um, 16-year-old uh, emailer says, on the matter of lines, they were very prominent in my primary school, where in what we called lost lunch, you would write out the school rules. Also, if you've got three lost lunches in a week, you'll receive half an hour of school detention. But these were very rare. I should think so. If you get three lost lunches yeah. in a week, you're Al Capone, aren't you? Uh, in secondary school, lines didn't make an appearance, but detention certainly did. 15 minutes for being late, 30 minutes for failing to do homework. This one actually was hardly ever enforced, as most teachers saw homework was too much effort to set. <laughs> Even a great school. That's a great school. I didn't, before we continue with James, um, we, uh, uh, just again, I was doing the stage shows about how we used, I mentioned it last week, we used to try and get each other caned or, mm. uh, you know, try and get in trouble, put your hand up and say, you, you just try and get your mates into trouble. It's the lighter side of being caned because seeing one of your friends get it was a lot of fun. Uh, but I, I do remember, I don't know why I did this. And I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt James's, but we were all sitting there and Mr. Uh, Mr. Kistasami used to take us for geography and he was. He was strict and very boring. If you'd uh, put your hand up and say, he loved to thunder against modern society. It had fitted right in with our audience. Uh, and you could put your hand up as it was getting to the end of the lesson and say, sir, what do you think about the effect of television on the culture? And he would, I never used to hitch up one trouser leg, put it on a, a desk, uh, on a chair, one leg on the chair, and say, you boys, television, you don't know it. 
your minds are so poisoned. And it was good for a five-minute speech. And we'd all look at the <laughs> clock then, brrrr, and we'd get out before he set homework. And one week we got him into this, and he was about 20 seconds from the bell. And I don't know why I did it. I said, sir, if you carry on, you're not going to be able to set any homework. And <gasps> oh, I thought it was the funniest thing I could have done. And the whole class came up and gave me a dead arm. Anyway, um, so <laughs> well our friend was... deserved one. I know, I know. Sir, I just thought, oh, I can't resist it. That's the gag, isn't it? We're 10 seconds away from the bell. Sir! <laughs> anyway, uh, so... so it, <laughs> was oh, yes. So uh, you could get three lost lunches and uh, you'd have to... Uh, for failing to do homework, that would be a 30, 30 minute detention. You get an hour detention for being sent out of class for misbehaving. Another thing, by the way, that made me chuckle was Louise Napoleon Pepper's claim that everyone has iPads. This is very amusing, as I think my school laptops are about 12 years old and the most <laughs> school departments could afford a box of pens in the classroom. So, yes, we do still write peps. In oh, fact, good. handwriting is a large part of the syllabus, especially in primary school, allowing you to earn your pen licence when your writing is neat enough. And in any case of my school, a fountain pen license was also up for grabs if your license, if your writing license. is particularly neat. They give you a license. license. You don't just write now. You get a oh, license. that's better than an iPad. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Oh, I, that is I, wonderful. I'd like to think that James, currently 16, when he's 50 odd, uh, in the homicide department, quite erroneously come around and bust his door open. And they said, we want to see some ID. You want to see some ID? And he flicks open his writing license. <laughs> That's all in order, sir. Sorry to disturb you. <laughs> and off he goes again. We something thought... quick, something quick no. from you, Pep. Sorry, mate. Well, no, I'm there? just thinking that's another topic of only at our school. Because the other thing I discovered, having yeah. spent my entire education in the Catholic uh, school education system, hmm. is that not every school has penance. Oh, really? Yes. The punishment in our school, in both primary and secondary no. school, is go and stand on penance. And it was just a word. And I never thought more of it until I met friends who oh. went to comps. And I went, oh, you'll be on penance. On, and they, on what no now? idea. And you'd go I... and stand in the main hall with your nose to the wall on penance, oh. where everyone could walk past and go, oh, and point and go, oh, on penance. That's a terrific thing. I wouldn't mind doing that, though. That wouldn't bother me doing that uh, and the cane and all that. All of my mates were Catholics, all of them. Uh, virtually, they went to St. Joseph's and St. Michael's and all of that. I was at West Greenwich Secondary Boys up the top of the high street. <laughs> and often they'd say things like that and, and, and about the nuns and all of this. No, 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 nothing of the sort no. over uh, on the prod side, I'm afraid. Anyway, uh, we seem to have extended ended our, uh, our welcome, perhaps beyond what people demand of a, a little felicitation like this. So uh, I think if we want to play the theme tune now, Phil. And that is, of course, have been uh, Louise Napoleon Pepper on the other side of town, uh, Phil Wilding and Josh and everybody at Something Else. Thank you for giving us this platform. But as always, as you can tell, chiefly yourselves. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you Saturday. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.